My name is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 387. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who, my goodness, doesn't want to understand, <laughs> uh, doesn't want to feel outstanding. Do you, sweetheart? I, yeah. But it's okay if you don't feel outstanding. Correct. We don't value just the happiness traits. Nope. Not just the joy. Nope. We also appreciate the sadness and the mads and the angries, like we talked about on our Team Zen talk today. Yes. Is it Team Zen or is it Zen Team? I always forget. Team Zen. Team Zen. Um, So, and on today's Zen Team that we just did. Team Zen. Team Zen. (laughs) (laughs) uh, We talked about feeding your family. Uh, The one mom was... uh, Yeah, yeah. Four-year-old wasn't eating good foods anymore. Vegetables. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dealing with kids that cop an attitude. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a big one. Worrying, pretending to be necessary. Mm-hmm. That was your thing. What was? How would you summarize your thing? What would you talk? You oh. had it out of that book. What was that book? What? Oh no, our, I don't our think intro, that was our first the, twenty minutes. Is that what I talked about? You had the w- wasn't book it about kindness and about that we could have many different? Um, oh, my earphones are going out. Mine too. Are they really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I think what I was talking about was kindness and how kindness doesn't necessarily mean that we have to not have any other feelings. Like we can have frustration and anger and that's fine. It's how we choose to respond to that frustration and anger. That's where we pull on our kindness. Yeah. And I I pulled in a piece on uh, one of our listeners uh, put in a YouTube clip, sent a YouTube clip of me and some guy did a video blog about uh, the movie Inside Out. And the guy had a really interesting take on it. Um, About joy being more the antagonist rather than the protagonist. Which, and again, you don't have to look at that and go, oh no, joy. It's not one or the other. It's about seeing it from the viewpoint. Is it ever one or the other, sweetheart? Never. It's about recognizing that both play a role. And I think that the. the sentence that I read today, and I'll say it to you guys, it's our problems are not our problems. Yeah. It's our, no, that wasn't it. It was, the, oh, I know what it is. Our problem is not the problem. It's how we cope with the problem. I think that's what I said. Sounds our right. problem is not the problem. It's how we cope. Because if we have tools and if we can cope with something, then it really isn't a problem after all, right? We at least know we at least know how to deal with whatever's coming up. That's the idea. That's the idea, yeah. And then the last thing that we talked about was the the daughter who puts her hands over her ears and says, la, 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 I'm not uh-huh. listening to you. Uh-huh. That's got to be like one of the most frustrating things ever. Correct. Remember that part in Beverly Hills Cop, part two, or no, part one, part one, sweetheart, uh, where Paul Reiser is with Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. and um, Paul Reiser's like the annoying sidekick to Eddie Murphy, uh-huh. and Eddie Murphy says, la, 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 I'm not listening to Jeffrey, yet Jeffrey uh-huh. is still talking. I'm not listening to you. I remember. That's a good one. Why was Paul Reiser in, in Beverly Hills Cop? Because he was like, he was our, the 80s version of Paul Rudd. Uh, I think Paul Rudd's better than... It, it's not about comparing him, but... No, let's compare. But I Paul love, Reiser was in everything. And I love then comparing. He had Mad About You, and he was really good, and he was a stand-up comedian. And Actually, everything. Paul... Oh, sorry. Paul Rudd's not a stand-up comedian. I'm, I'm playing a YouTube clip. I'm going to play a YouTube clip at the end of the show, because I think you're going to like it. You're not going to play it right now? Maybe not. But uh, so anyways, so I have something actually that you don't even know about, and it's from Rosalind Wiseman. Who's Rosalind Wiseman? Uh, she is a... 
um, expert on teen behavior and how to interact with teens and, and how to respect teens. What's the name of her teens. book? Queen Bees and Wannabes and Masterminds and Wingmen. She's all about um, understanding children from their perspective and things like that. And she spoke at our conference. Correct. She was at our conference last year. Because I don't want to screw this up, I'm going to do a little bit of reading, but it's important. All right. Okay. So this is from her newsletter, Rosalind's newsletter. Um, the the title of it was called Flirting or Felony. And maybe you know a little bit about this, Kathy. I don't know for sure if you do or you don't. But... Um, it's about teens, sex, and social media. Okay. Okay. Um, obviously, us adults get really anxious when we talk about, you know, kids sharing pictures of themselves and things like that on the phone, on, on their phones and all that. Consider the following. Should an eighth grade girl who sends a topless picture to a guy she has a crush on have, who she has a crush on, have to serve prison time? Should a boy who sends pictures of his genitals to his friend as a joke be registered as a sex offender? Oh, I know what this is about. Okay. There's something that is on the floor of Congress. I don't know if it's the Senate or the House. H.R. 1761 has just passed the House and is now in the Senate. Its purpose is to amend Title 18 to criminalize the knowing consent of the visual depiction or live transmission of a minor engaged in sexually explicit conduct and for other purposes. Under the law, the defendant must serve a mandatory minimum of 15 years in prison, even if the attempt wasn't completed, and be placed on the sex offender's registry for life. The bill is intended to stop child pornography. Obviously, that is a good thing. We can all agree stopping child pornography is a good thing. But this bill treats a child molester who takes, solicits, or has possession of a sexually inappropriate picture of a minor the same as a 15-year-old girl who sends a picture of herself. To take pictures and send pictures virtually. Right. So basically, all it is is an update of a law now that our technology is what it is and we have the capacity to take pictures and send pictures virtually, that this law needed to be updated because right now the way it's written, like you said, there's mandatory sentencing around it and it didn't take into account what would be going on at this place in time with our phones. So the bill is a perfect example of an adult's good intention gone sideways. Right. According to Roslyn. Okay. Okay. The vast majority of teens are not depraved sexual predators. They are young people coming into their sexuality in a time where they have the means to display that sexuality publicly. So whether we like it or not, it's not uncommon for young people to send sexually inappropriate pictures to their peers. It's not unusual for a boy, blah, blah, blah. We understand why adults don't want young people sending these kinds of pictures, but it's dangerous and unethical for lawmakers to write and pass laws that can't tell the difference between a predator and a young person. Okay, so now I'm confused. Stop reading for a second Um, because it's a lot of content there. Is that I thought that they were – what I had been reading – I didn't read Rosalind's newsletter – is that they were trying to update the law – and this is, but she's talking about it as if people are against updating the law. It's already passed the house. So in That's other words, if a boy sends an inappropriate picture to a buddy or a girl to a boyfriend or whatever, they can be, they'd have to register as sex offenders. And oh, serve. so you're telling, I thought, I totally read this right. wrong. I thought that the law mm-hmm. was already in place no. and that they were trying to amend it. No, for there is this a law place in place, time. but there's something that is past the House that is now in the Senate. So here's what's interesting. Okay. What's even more frustrating is that Congress rejected Rep- Representative Jackson Lee proposed amendment to ensure minors are not punished as sex offenders. Yeah. So um, they rejected that. Why? 
Of course, if it passes the Senate, the law will be sent to our current president, a man who boasted about grabbing women's genitals in real life. Consider that under H.R. 1761, a teen boy goes to jail for merely asking for a naked picture, even if he gets rejected. While Brock Turner, the young man who was indicted on charges of rape in 2015, was given a sentence of six months in jail and excused by the judge. So here's the call to action. Okay, what's the call? We believe young people must have rules and be held responsible for social media, blah, blah, blah. Um, So we're asking that our leaders have the maturity to admit that they've made a mistake and make laws that protect young people instead of targeting them as criminals. So the call to action is we ask you to call your senators and tell them to vote no on H.R. 1761. Okay, so basically it's the, you know, trying to put a law through mm-hmm. that makes child pornography yeah. um, more of a, an issue yeah. and, and you know, has some, um, what am I trying to say, S- mandatory sentencing yeah. around that is one thing. But there has to be a stipulation in there that is not going to cause a young person who has made a mistake to either have some kind of prison sentence or some kind of blemish on their record. Exactly. And again, you guys, for those of you listening who is like, well, you know, they made a mistake or they did it and they have to, you know, pay the pay the price or the penalty. These children, they're children. Yes. They are, their brains are not fully developed. Their risk-taking abilities are extremely heightened. Their unawareness of what they are doing and the consequences that they could face are, it's not mature yet. So the point is, is that just to have that written in there that they're not going to be criminally prosecuted doesn't mean that we're giving them permission. It means it's something that we should be dealing with in a more um, parental mental health, um, you know, teaching character, you know, that kind of place rather than the criminal justice system. Exactly. So just one more time. Okay. We call your, if you agree with what Rosalind is saying and mm-hmm. what Kathy and I agree on is call your senators and tell them to vote no on HR 1761. Oh, Todd, there's so many things to call about. Well, this is kind of a big one. But, HR what? One seven six one. Okay. And if we can find maybe a website to share in our show notes that makes it easy to to do that, I don't know. We'll, we'll look into it. And when I say that there's so many things to call about, I'm not I'm not downplaying the importance sure, of this. Right. It's just there's a lot of people who are doing a lot of work right now, calling and that kind of thing about so many different issues. Well, can't you see like this is one of the things that get it goes under through. the radar, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know. Well, and that's the thing is like. I know that there's a lot of bills and and legislation that go through because people get focused on an issue and everybody gets nervous and fearful. And so it becomes a political thing. Like, I'm going to make this a crime. And and I I can't imagine people who are supporting this, but obviously they are. And that doesn't make sense. Like, there's a common common sense sense element to this, you know? And it's not even about, we don't even need to compare all the things in history. This is going to be... Beyond, this is going to cause a lot of problems. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. You know, a lot of the schools who have had big crackdowns, like there's been a bunch of them in Illinois where there's been like sexting things going on or a big ring of students who have been, you know, sending photos around. When the police come in and make a point to say this is criminal activity. Yeah. Yeah. You can start to educate these kids about here's what you're doing and yeah. why. But to have a mandatory sentence around it where if they actually, you know, they have to, I don't know. Mm. I I just think that sometimes it's kind of like that Brian Stevenson thing of 
all of a sudden we decide that children should be tried like adults. Mm-hmm. But by definition, they're children. Yeah, there's children on death row right now. Right. And the reason that children are called children is because their brains aren't fully developed. And we, as adults, are the people who support them and guide them and help them and remind them of who they are. And, you know, and when they make a mistake, we help them, you know, come out of it. Mm -hmm. And if we've got situations where there's no way for them to come out of it, then... I, I don't know. I should try to find that. We did. You and I did a podcast. We even played uh, some clips off of a 60 Minutes story that they did on um, jails and prisons in Norway. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Totally different. treat them mm-hmm. with... Respect, utmost dignity. Respect, mm-hmm. But they still have to serve their time. Serve their time. It's just but how they're treated while they're there. What they understand is that how what you have to remember is what's the long term goal here. Someone who goes to prison will eventually, just like OJ, be released, paroled. Um, they will eventually be out on the streets again. So while they're in prison, do you treat them worse and treat them like an animal and you know, degrade them and do all these things that will cause more of an emotional breakdown and cause more of a psychic issue and more anger and frustration and then say, okay, now go out into the world. We know that the only way people change behavior is if they are inspired to do so by understanding that they are inherently worthy. And if we teach people, and man, talk about a long road you know, with the prison system, like, you know, people will say, well, how do we even begin? I don't know. I honestly don't. All I know is this is what we're teaching in regards to parenting. How do our children, how does their behavior change? The irony or the paradox is once they know they're worthy, then they have the capacity and the space to change their behavior. But our parenting model is shame them bring in fear, make them feel bad about who they are, and that actually makes it more likely that they will act that way. Yeah, we're, we're doing one thing, thinking that there's going to be one consequence, right. and the consequences most often from that action, if we're talking about the scenario, is the exact opposite of what yeah, we're Yeah, we cause more of the same. And even if they change a behavior, like say we say, well, they don't do that thing anymore, but they also There's don't feel good about who yeah. they are anymore, yeah. or your relationship with them has been, has been, there's, it's not as good anymore. It's not as strong. It's not as trusting. So it's, these are very, um, it's like we understand these things at face value and we'll say, oh yeah, that's the best way to do it. But then we don't implement it. We don't practice it. We don't make it a part of our justice system. We don't make it a part of our legal system. Um, you know, if everybody said, oh yeah, kindness is, you know, we should be kind. But then we look around at the systems that are created and there's not a lot of kindness in it. We did uh, a show, it's number 299, mm-hmm. and the title of it was Forget Punishment, How About Kindness? Mm. And it's uh, a 60 Minutes report about a prison system in, in Germany and how they put re- rehabilitation above retribution. And, you know, most people would say, what is, if you were to read about our, our um, legal system or the, you know, our judicial or actually our prison system that's the word i'm looking for there the words in there say rehabilitation right that's why we have prison but what's going on is retribution we're not yeah we're not rehabilitating so and these are big issues my goodness again these are not things that i have my hands in but conceptually 
I think most of us agree that maybe what's happening isn't helping. I read something completely off subject uh, today. I don't remember where I saw it, and it doesn't matter. Um, do you know who Elon Musk is? I do. Okay. Tesla he, guy. Yeah, he's the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX. And listen, I'm fascinated by this man. I don't think he's that old. I think he's, like he's a, young. Mm-hmm. Musk said that you, the U.S. government has given him a verbal thumbs up to build an underground hyperloop from New York City to D.C., you with me, What sweetie? does that mean? Like a subway? Think a water slide-like tube where people get into pods to travel to other cities. Oh, my gosh. The future. For years, Musk's been trying to revolutionize the way humans get around Earth and beyond. This is the same guy that wants to colonize Mars, because why not? And solve America's traffic problems. The Hyperloop still has to get a formal seal of approval and is to be determined when it'd be up and running. But it's expected to turn a three-and-a-half-hour trip into just about 30 minutes. So we'd be on a water slide to DC? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't even know how to get my arms around that. But to go from one side of the country and to the other side. Well, it's not one side to the other. You just said New York to DC. Oh, no, no. Hold on a second. Um... First of all, Elon Musk is 46. He's my age, or I'm almost 46. New York City to DC. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I thought it was across the country. Um, three and a half hours to 30 minutes. Very interesting. Anyways, I thought that was fascinating. Well, somebody one day said, I think humans should be able to fly, and people probably laughed at them. And then I'm going to play a clip of Andy Murray, which is like 14 seconds. Oh, the one that I posted on the page? Yeah, just because I think it's worthy. And then I want you to talk about it. Okay. Okay. Um, Andy Murray is a tennis player. Um, He was in Wimbledon. He did not win Wimbledon. And this was after he lost. Oh, was it after he lost? This was yeah. Some English guy, Andy Murray. Andy Sam is the first U.S. player to reach a major semifinal since 2009. How would you describe male player? The... <laughs> I beg your pardon. Male player, right? Yes, yeah. first male player. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so, talk about that. Well, the night that he did that, my friend Manisha sent that to me. Um, she knew I would like it, uh, and it made me laugh because it's very subtle. Can you, because uh, he's hard to hear. What does he say? He says. So, so the, the reporter asks him, you know, so-and-so, did he say Federer is like the first U.S. blah, 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 blah um, player to yeah. whatever. And, and Andy Murray says, male player. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of says it under his breath. So the guy says, excuse me. And he says, male player, correct? Right. Kind of like, I'm saving your butt right now. Yeah. Are you going to pick up on what I just said? And then the journalist is like, oh, yes, of course, of course. And everybody laughs uncomfortably. Mm-hmm. Andy Murray, his his facial expression does not change. Right. He is not, he does not think it's funny. Right. Um, because he has been outspoken about these subtle forms of sexism or these subtle forms of gender inequality. And again, you may say, oh, big deal. There's some people I know you roll your eyes, but you have to understand that the only way to make change is to question what's normal. And when people say things like, this is the only tennis player to have done this, when we've had Venus and Serena doing this forever, it's not correct because you're just referring to male tennis players. Mm-hmm. So he made that gen- he he 
just and he did it so subtly without making now it became huge news but he didn't do that on purpose he didn't say i think i'll say this so right. i'll be it huge was spontaneous news. it was spontaneous and subtle and all he said was male player now it was funny what manisha sent me was not only that little blurb right there but his mother Andy Murray's mother mother went on Twitter and posted it and said, that's my boy. Mm. Um, So she must, that must be something they discuss a lot. It must be something that she has maybe helped bring to his attention um, or he was just raised in such a way that he recognized equality. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just thought that was really great. And again, it's a good teaching tool because you don't have to grandstand. You don't have to get angry. You don't have to stand up and say, I'm so offended. He just said, Male player. Yep. That's all. That's it. Um, Before we go into your main thing or whatever it is that you want to talk about Uh today, uh, we have a new partner, and the name of the partner is Care.com. Have you ever heard of Care.com? I I think I have because I think they do. Well, go ahead, but they they actually help you find people to care for your kids. That's exactly right. Um, Trusted by families, loved by caregivers. You uh, find nannies, babysitters, date night sitting, tutoring, after school sitting, and all of the above. And I actually just went through the website just to kind of check it out. And it's pretty cool. Like you basically just give your profile of who's in your family and then you book a date night or like what I did, I booked a date night, uh, the date, the start time, how many kids you have, what does the job include? And the Mm -hmm. options are feeding dinner, bath time, bedtime, playtime, or the kids will already be asleep. So you kind of like describe what's expected. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't say clean up in there. Oh, I would love that part, but Mem- that's not really their Remember job. Remember Pook, sweetie? I do. We had a babysitter named Pook. She's she an was Asian, great. Asian mm-hmm. girl, and she used to clean up. I couldn't believe it. She's mm-hmm. like my favorite. She was lovely. And Todd just really appreciated that when he would if come If you want to separate, if, if there's any 13-year-old boys or girls that babysit out there, if you want to separate yourself from all your competition, just do a little tidying up. Well, and again, it's not part of the job it's description. It's not part of the that, job. That's it's, why. If you're trying to go above and beyond. And the girls were really little when we had Pook, but that was the thing that Todd would say, I really like her. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, well, you know, the girls were so young, they weren't really giving us a lot of feedback, but he'd be like, it was just nice to come home and everything was put away. And we don't have babysitters the way we used to, but mm-hmm. there used to be times when the house, you know, that they would make food and cupcakes and it was a total mess. Right, right. Anyways, you select your hourly rate, you plug all that information in and then um, you get, uh, so people kind of apply for your job and you could do background checks. It's all set up in there. So I encourage our listeners to go to care.com and check it out. You know, it's funny uh, when some of our friends in Chicago, Chicago, like, because Todd and I live in Elmhurst, which is right outside of Chicago, but Chicago proper has a lot of things. And maybe it was care.com that they were using. Is that the the actual care.com? care.com? But I would be envious because they would be able to book babysitters online, yeah. you know, and sometimes when we would go out in the city, they would get a sitter for all of our kids. And I'd be like, man, we need that. Yeah. And here it is. There it is. That um, it has spread out. So that's the deal. What do you, uh, what do you want to talk so about? So I wanted to talk about why we're like porcupines. Um, is it because we have quills? Well, kind of. Uh, I don't was, even know what a quill is. Well, that's what a porcupine has on his and her back. Ouch. Um, so basically this idea that we as humans, we suffer from the porcupine problem. So can you, do you have any guess of what the porcupine problem is? Um, we don't let anybody touch us because we're so sharp. 
Well, just let me tell you what porcupines do first, because yes, you're, you're, you know, you're on the right track, but so basically porcupines, um, they, in the cold of winter, so when things are really cold, they, porcupines huddle together so they can stay warm, right? Because their underbelly is like exposed, but they have quills on their back. So when they're cold, they huddle together. Well, guess what happens when a bunch of porcupines huddle together? Uh, make babies? No, they oh. stab one another with their quills. Ouch! Right, because they have quills. It's like they are cold, but they have quills. That sucks. So it's a porcupine. It's kind of like Edward Scissorhands. I know. He had a very similar problem. So this is the thing. They stabbed each other, and so they'd move off. You know, when they would cuddle together and be cold, they would then eventually be like, you're getting me with your quill, right. and they would move off to get a safe distance. Well, this uh, psychotherapist, I, her name's Deborah uh, Lupnitz. She actually wrote a book about investigating, like she kind of, she took this idea, this porcupine issue, okay. this porcupine dilemma, and applied it to human interactions. Because really, humans have the same problem, right? Because, you know, people, you know, people in the West, at least we'll talk about this, it, on a daily basis, we struggle with our privacy, community, a current concern for ourselves, concern for others, um, having space of our own, making sure everybody else has space. We also have a porcupine dilemma. And what happens sometimes when we get too close? Those are the people that hurt us the most, mm. right? So you're like, okay, I'm I'm out here on my own and I really want to huddle close to somebody. I really want real love, right? So you finally find someone and you come together with that person and they're the ones that you often end up getting angry at. And you, you, you know, it's metaphorical. They, yeah. You get hurt or stabbed by their quills in how they talk to you or how you think they should talk to you or what you perceive they should be doing. And so what do we do? We separate again. Mm -hmm. And we disconnect. And this is what porcupines do throughout their life. Do you yeah. see what I mean? I'm cold. Let's huddle together. You hurt me. I'm going apart. Humans do that. Well, and I don't know if this makes sense, but sadly, it reminds me of like whatever. Uh, I don't watch the show Cops, but I know what it is. And uh -huh. there's, all, you know, like domestic abuse. Are you talking that. about bad boys? <laughs> bad, bad boys, bad boys. boys. What, what you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? Bad boys. Mm -hmm. That was it. Um so like the, you know, just any incident of domestic abuse, like these are the people that supposedly you chose to be with for and, the rest of your life. And they're beating you up. And they're harming each other. Yet if I ran into the same guy earlier that day. He wouldn't hurt you. He'd be really kind to me. Exactly. This is why unless we understand people and we listen to them, we don't believe them. Mm -hmm. Because we will say it's like the, you know, the the thing on TV where there'll be a murderer and all of the murderer's neighbors are like, he was such a good guy. Mm -hmm. And here's a guy who's been murdering people in his house or whatever. And all the neighbors are like, he was so nice. Not everybody, when we're all separate from each other, all we see is the outside. Yeah. We don't know that those quills can hurt. So, and I think this is the whole point of why you're bringing this up, but what is it about us human beings that want to hurt the people that are closest to us? Well, we, we don't necessarily buy, like we're not, we don't think to ourselves, I can't wait to hurt the people I'm closest to. What happens is when we care about someone and when we finally allow ourselves to love someone, we become really vulnerable mm -hmm. to that person. And if that person doesn't 
respond in the way we think they should, if they trigger something in us that's old, that's usually the case with these the domestic mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, domestic abuse is it's something that's been learned when they were little. Right. You know, maybe something they watched. Um, uh, the toxic masculinity of you should not be saying this to me, yeah. or I own you, or I yeah. control you. A lot of it's old programming, and then it's put into you yeah. know put into play. Um, but uh, you know, when that happens, when we're vulnerable and when we're raw with someone and they say something, it hurts more. We are more damaged by that than a someone, a stranger saying something mean to us. We'll be like, that doesn't hurt me yeah, because just, you don't mean anything to me. Right. When someone means something to you, that's then your why expectations go go up. You're, well, y- that could be part of it, but also experience. Think about this, Todd. I'll give you kind of a visual. So you've got like a ton of clothes on. Okay, you're like Joey Tribbiani after he puts on all of Chandler's clothes. And can says, I be? Can I be wearing any more clothes? So basically, that's us walking through the world, right? right? So we've got all these layers of clothes on, and we're walking through the world. So if somebody like tries to say something to us or do something to us, we're like, dude, you know, I'm completely, I'm so isolated from you. But then you fall in love with somebody or you get connected to somebody. So you feel like you can take off all these layers of clothes. And I'm not trying to make it a sexual Right. No, here. no, I hear you. But you're taking, you, you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to let some of this go. I'm going to be more myself and just wear my one outfit, you know, right. I'm going to show you who I really am. And then that person says something that offends you, even either knowingly or unknowingly, because sometimes we don't know what's going to offend people we love. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's a, you know, we trigger them without it. That wasn't our intention. And so it hurts. We didn't have our armor on. Mm-hmm. And so we're hurt by them. And because what do we want from the people we love? We want them to love us and see us as perfect. Right. Right. Yeah. That's that's what we want. And and we just we're more vulnerable in our love relationships. Are you going to play it? You ready? Yes. Is show not the opposite of taking somebody's underwear. <laughs> Look at me. I'm Chandler. Could I be wearing any more clothes? <laughs> there we go. That's Joey. So, you know, that's the thing is like, and again, there's all sorts of different threads in there too. It's yeah. like our upbringing and what we expect from a relationship, who we think a partner should be to us. But this is also the case like as parents, because, you know, this is a parenting podcast, right? Sort of. <laughs> sort of. Every, about every... About 10%. We're like, yeah, we are talking about parenting, right? But is it's like when our children say something and we get so offended by yeah. what they say. Right, because if your neighbor's kid said the same thing- You wouldn't care. You wouldn't care. I mean, maybe a little bit, but- Not as you, much. Not as much. But we're offended because of the role we play in their lives and we want to be loved. And, we, and again, in partnership, we want to be, part of it is because we've made ourselves vulnerable and we have this, we want to be honored and, and loved and respected. Mm-hmm. And- that's what we that's what that relationship is but sometimes as porcupines when we come together and we become close like that it can be really painful yeah and and my you know it's kind of like if i were to be a therapist for a porcupine (laughs) what i would say is this is how you were made this is the truth of your life so there is a understanding of that when you come together there's a way to do it more gently and with acceptance of the fact that you have quills, right? I mean, yeah. I know you're looking at me like I'm a crazy person, <laughs> but this is, I'm trying to like, you know, I'm trying to make the analogy yeah. with human beings right. is instead of saying, oh, right, that other person that you love, they'll never hurt you. They have no quills. You know, your children should never offend you. 
yes, they will. They well, have quills. It's almost like because the quills, there's a depth, and the depth is where true wholeness, happiness um, comes in. Because if you can't potentially hurt the other, then it's a shallow relationship. Correct. Anyways, That's right? That's right. Well, then by definition, you're not vulnerable. Yeah. Because vulnerability means you've been exposed to yeah. the possibility of being hurt. Yeah. Um, okay. I have a few other things if you want to. Well, uh, I'm not not quite done. I okay. wanted to say one more thing about the, uh, the porcupine, kind of, um, is that one thing, and I'll get off of the porcupine itself, and I'll talk more about human beings. I think one thing that's super important within a relationship is this uh, idea of relational ethics, okay? And basically, that is where we have an expectation with people we love, if it be our children or our partner, that we will, to the best of our ability, we will treat each other in a way that there's care and compassion and, you know, tenderness, you know, like we're treating each other with that care. Even though we know we we all, I'm bringing the porcupine back in, we, we do have... That's even more of a leap of faith, knowing that we do have the ability to hurt each other, but that the ethics, I love the word ethics because ethics are really important to me, is our relational ethics are I am going to try to create a world between us where we kind of abide by these things. Right. Our, you know, As Todd and I have talked about before, we don't go for the jugular just because we can. We don't hurt each other to win. We don't say something to one-up each other so we have power over each other. The relational ethics are we have some kind of understanding between us that we're going to do our best to be compassionate. Mm. And, and again, let me talk about compassion for a second. I heard... Um, I was listening, I was in yoga this morning and my yoga teacher said, she was talking about Pema Chodron. And for those of you who know, she's a, um, she's a, she's a monk, correct? Yeah. She's a female monk. Um, I was about to say something else like a nun, but she is a monk. Yeah. Um, Pema Chodron. And if you haven't read her books, I highly recommend her. Listen to her. There's something powerful about hearing her voice. Mm. So her audio books, I, I have two of them on my phone that I listen to occasionally. Which ones you remember? Uh, yeah. The, the fear one, um, uh, okay. The the two of uh, here's the two words so you can pull them up. One of them is about uncertainty, and the other one is about fear. All right, keep so talking, yeah, so it. you can find them. So anyway, so one of the ways that we can be fair in our relationships, I thought this was really really cool, is that we are we constantly make an effort to have a new perspective constantly. So instead of clinging to like an idea of what we think is right and wrong all the time, like I'm right and you're wrong, or this idea is right and this idea is wrong, uh, you know, we become open. Okay. So listen to this, Todd. We become open to co-creating a system with those we love to make sure that we're both seen, heard, and validated. Now, what does that mean in real life? Like great, great paragraph, Kathy, but what does that mean in real life? Basically, what that means is that you may say something like, I want to spend, oh, you would, okay, this is good. You just bought a, some expensive tickets for, your, for you and your dad to yeah, go to the Cubs Sox game. going to Cubs Sox game. Okay, which, first of all, I don't really care about, but let's just play with this. Right. Say I was like, money should only be spent, say I was like really righteous about money. Yeah, okay? necessities. Necessities, like, and 
and some people are really this way about money because of their budget, because mm-hmm. they literally don't have it. Right. But maybe you have kind of a little bit of money left over at the end of the month that you can do something with. And that's what we're playing with here. And so you said, I am going to go to this game with my dad. Me, if I was being righteous mm-hmm. and I was not willing to co-create with you, yeah. I might say something like, well, that's not a worthy expenditure. That doesn't involve me, so that shouldn't be what we're yeah, spending our money on. that's not a family expense. That's not a family expense. You're not putting something toward college. I could be very like, no. Yeah. Co-creation is tell me, be, uh, me being open yeah. and compassionate. It's not about me going, yes. It's about yeah. me saying, explain to me why this is important to yeah. you. Because you don't usually do this. No. So explain to me why you want to do this. And and again, I don't really I this didn't bother right, me. Right, but least. if it did. But you already you came to me and you said, I'd like to spend this money. Um, it's something that my dad really wants to do. You know, he's only here in the summer. Mm. He loves baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the way my dad and I connect. Mm. And um, this is something that's important to me. Right. And so I can then be in constant co-creation of laying down my need to be right about everything or my like black and white vision and say, this is a human mm. expenditure. Yeah. This is, this is a deposit in love. Yes. Okay. Sounds cheesy, but it's true. Right. That's what partners do for each other. Yeah. Now you may have said, I love my dad and he loves cars. I would really like to buy him a new car this month. Is that a balance? I would say we can't do that. I know that you mm. want to dem- – so you guys see that I'm not saying we say yes to everything. But being fair and having relational ethics is being willing to co-create a system where each other is heard and recognized and we can put down what we think is right and wrong for the moment. We don't let it go. We I, just set it down. I got to be honest. I had no idea where you're going with that. But the minute you brought a story in, I totally, it totally made sense to oh, me. Oh, good. So stories are so powerful. Oh, yeah. It's the only way to explain things. Like, is Nobody ever want. I, I never want to hear, even if it's the smartest person or the most motivational person, unless they're telling a personal story about how they learned or how... If it's just the words, it just falls empty for me. Maybe maybe not for everybody, but... Well, basically what I do whenever I read something that's kind of interesting, like the porcupine thing or relational ethics, I, in my own head, what naturally happens, and I don't think I'm alone, is I come up with my own experience with yeah. that or my lack of experience. Because yeah. sometimes a thing will be brought to my attention. I'll be like, I don't do that. Right. But that's important. And you know, the other thing about um, the Pema Chodron thing that's really important. I have the books, by the way. Okay, what are they called? Um, well, she's got a bunch of them. Is one of them When Things Fall Apart? You know what? I don't have that on audiobook, but I, I've read it. I have the book in my office. The Place That Scares You? No, Living Beautifully, Taking the Leap. How to, uh, Where's the uncertainty one? Start Where You Are. That's, I have that too, but I that's not the one I have on the audio. The Wisdom of No Escape. She's written a lot of books, oh, yeah. this lady. Are you in the audio section? Because um, her audio is different than her. I'm actually on Amazon.com, but I can go to Audible. So yeah. keep talking. Sorry okay. I interrupted you. So um, I feel like it's The Gift of Uncertainty, but that's, I'm, that's Brene Brown's book. I'm, mix, I'm mixing up The Gift of Imperfection. Mm. But anyway... Pema Children talks, oh, it's smile with your fear. Smile at your fear. Oh. Is that it? Uh, I'll tell you in a it's second. Something like that. Look them up again. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say about Pema, uh, something that she says, is what compassion is, 
is actually a connection or an interaction between equals. It's not about healer and student or adult and child or right person and wrong person. By definition, compassion is when there's when you are looking at this person that you're that you're listening to or that is telling you a story and you are looking you are thinking about yourself as equals. Found it. Smile at fear. Smile at fear. Awakening the true heart of bravery. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Well she's got like she's she's two pages. She, this woman's got a lot of books. I know. That's why I just knew the words. Uncertainty you is one of them. Right there. Look it up. Oh I know. Um, in the meantime, so did you hear what I just said about compassion, Todd? Cause you were doing something else. No, that was awesome though. No, <laughs> I'm not saying that because I'm trying to teach you something, but I think you'll find it valuable. Mm. I think for those of us who, cause I'm a therapist, Todd's a coach. There are people who are educators and then us as parents, you know, all of these roles where we get into these roles of helping people, right? When you are practicing compassion, you do it at a place of being equal mm. because if you're in a healer student, kind of situation, yeah. paradigm. Mentor, mentee. Then all of a sudden there's a looking down upon or I have more compassion is kind of like um, that play. I'm um, thinking about Brene Brown's thing. Uh, remember that um, thing that was put to, in made into a cartoon oh, yeah. where the guy falls in the hole. Yeah, that's empathy, sympathy. Empathy, sympathy. Very, it, And empathy and compassion are very often used as synonyms. I think your hardcore people, which I tend to be a lot of the time, I don't use them as synonyms, but they're as close as you can get, right? Okay. Um, and that difference between being standoffish, like, oh, this happened to you and I'm going to help you, mm-hmm. versus showing up and saying, I know darkness too. Yeah. I may not know your exact darkness, but I understand. I am here as a human being. Yeah. And if you do that with your children, oh, my, OMG. Yeah, because um, there seems to be a hierarchy for most of us. For sure. Um, when we are guiding our children to grow up into good adults. That was um, Pema. <laughs> I found it. It's called, and it doesn't have certainty. Oh, okay. Unconditional confidence. Oh, there you go. Instructions for meeting any experience with trust and courage. Can we? Um, can I play my a few of my things? Sure, go ahead. Um, first of all, this is semi-related. Um, this is going to be a little movie trivia. I'm going to play a movie oh, line. You I tell like, me what I it like is. This game. And it's kind of related to uh, this a little bit. Okay. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. <laughs> Uh, Groundhog Day. Very good. So oh, this did is, you tell him about it? Right, but that's why I did it. But And then we're also talking about porcupines. I we're talking know. about little varmints. But here's a few more Groundhog Day lines. Okay. Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. <laughs> I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. This is pitiful. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. What a hype. Not like they used to mean something in this town. They used to pull the hog out and they used to eat it. You're hypocrites. All of you. You off to see the groundhog? Yes, I am. Do you think it's going to be in early spring? I'm predicting March 21st. <laughs> Bill Murray is such a smart aleck in the beginning of that movie. Um, Can I say something about Bill Murray really quick? Sure. Um, Because I know the other story you're going to tell. Bill Murray, I was just listening to uh, Here's the Thing, Mm -hmm. uh, Alec Baldwin, and he interviewed... um, (laughs) Sorry, this is just his his alarm clock. Is it every morning? That's him crushing it. Can you imagine living that life where every day 
nothing happened and it goes back to the same as when you woke up. And actually, I remember reading about that movie or maybe we were listening to yeah, Harold Ramis before he passed away, him talking about that movie. And there's there is some gosh, it's almost like. What what is that? What's the word for that? Like the repetition. I feel like there was some kind of religious connection. I but I think he was trying to like we think it's Bill Murray, so it's funny. But I think uh, Harold Ramis was aiming for a, maybe a little bit deeper response. That's my that's my whole point. Yeah. Is like there's some basis. There was there's a word that I can't come up with, and you guys are probably yelling at me right now because you're like, this is what he was trying to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously repetition, mm-hmm. but there's something about getting out of that cycle. Yeah, but I anyway, um, I was gonna say that Bill Murray interview. Oh yeah, so I was listening to here's the thing, Alec Baldwin, and he was interviewing Sofia Coppola, and Sofia Coppola has a new movie out called The Beguiled, and that's why she was on with him. But um, they were talking about. Lost in Translation, and she was saying that when she wrote Lost in Translation, she wrote it with Bill Murray in mind, and she made a choice that she was not going to do the movie unless Bill Murray did it. Now, I don't know if all you guys know this, but Bill Murray has no agent, and he has no manager, and he has no phone number except for an 800 number, Mm -hmm. and he tells people he doesn't even listen to the voicemail. So basically, he doesn't want people to find him. Now, you would say, as an actor, why would he do that? But Look at what ends up happening. People want him in their movie. So anyway, she, friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, it's kind of a long story, but she eventually met him at this restaurant in New York. She was so excited when he showed up and she said that it was just like she, and I love this, she referenced this because she's a pop culture girl like me. She said, when he walked in, my friend was at the table and I was standing right next to Bill Murray. And she goes, and I did that thing like in 16 Candles when Jake Ryan shows up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Molly Ringwald says to her dad, this is him yeah. behind his back. She goes, I did that, oh you know, kind of like he's here. Yeah. And she talked to him, gave him the script, said, I would like you to do this movie. We're going to Japan in however many days. Will you do it? And he said, I might. <laughs> and he, and read he got it. nominated for Academy Award, didn't he? Right. And. On top of that, they went to Japan hoping he would show up. up. He hadn't committed. He hadn't signed a contract. He said, I might. And he showed up. That's crazy. Now, in some ways, it's like a great story. But in some ways, it would suck. Mm -hmm. Like if you were doing a movie, like I don't understand how she did that. Right. Because you bring all those people out there. But that's a story Sophia herself told. Um, Were you going to talk about our groundhog? Uh, oh, yeah, we have a groundhog that lives in our garage, and we don't know whether or not that's safe or unsafe or if we should do anything about it or just let these groundhogs. But I think they don't live in one place. I think they have a lot of different places because I've been advised by two people that I should put wash rags with ammonia and because then they'll just leave. Who else said that? Mark Schultz. Mark did too. Yeah, because well, that's what he did. He got rid of his as our neighbor from Three Doors Down, and then... I think he shoot them over to us. But what about how cute they are? Yeah, I don't know. Todd and I keep waiting for him to stand up and dance and do I'm All Right. But that is a gopher, sweetie. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about that afterwards. I'm I'm all right. right. Don't Um, nobody worry about me. So, but he is super cute. And the weird thing about groundhogs is he keeps coming on our deck and like looking in the window. Mm -hmm. First of all, he's super cute. Now, our neighbor told us also to stay away from him because they can get really mean, especially if they have babies. So don't worry, everybody. I'm not going to pet him. But he's so flat. Yeah. He's like as flat as a pancake. He can get small. I'm like, where's your back? Yeah. He's got a flexible, God gave these. Little guys, flexible backs to be able to go places. I've been saying that Caddyshack joke for like the last two weeks. And I finally got now you. we figured out it wasn't a gopher. 
So a few promotional things is we have a screening coming up. We, we should probably do. talk about. We do. Uh, it's called Angst, and it's on September 11th. And if you're interested, if you're interested, go to zenparentingradio.com and click on events and you can register 10 bucks to get in and it's about anxiety right so basically the reason we picked this documentary is because it is about anxiety in children and in adults and how our anxious culture is creating uh, it's creating many challenges and why it's happening and what we can do so um again it's it's at york theater here in elmhurst and todd and i usually bring a documentary or two a year to elmhurst and this one is about anxiety and to all the guys out there i uh, coach guys go to my website toddadamscoaching.com first sessions free uh if there's an area of your life that you want some support uh i'm here to help so do that and then we also have two itunes reviews and by the way you can do your reviews from your phone now just do a search in the app store for zen parenting radio even if you've already subscribed to it click on ratings and reviews and then give your own review but we got two new ones from tk duro uh it says take care of each other what a great way to get back in touch with yourself and the people in your life i love the banter between todd and kathy their love for each other is so apparent and infectious thank you for enriching our lives and the other one is from just danielle refreshing and enlightening some may find this podcast corny I bet she's referring to the one before well, where we someone, about yeah. That. But I appreciate Todd and Kathy keeping it clean while relaying such valuable information because the show is clean. I don't worry about my kids dropping by while I'm listening. Actually, I have to be honest with her. That is part of the reason I don't swear on the show because people have told me that they um, their kid they listen to it in the car or that their kids actually like to listen occasionally. Yeah. So we keep them in mind because I am a swearer. Yes, you have a potty mouth. I do swear, and so I do not do that on this show. I stumbled across a TED Talk given by Tim Ferriss today. Okay. And it was good. I like Tim Ferriss. He has a lot of good content. Uh, But uh, at the very end of this TED Talk that I'm about to play, the name of his TED Talk is Why You Should Define Your Fears Instead of Your Goals. He quotes a guy, and I think it's ultra powerful, and I think you're going to like it, Kathy. So I just want to hear your two cents on it, okay? was his mantra, which he applies to everything, and you can apply to everything. Easy choices, hard life. Hard choices, easy life. Mm. The hard choices, what we most fear doing, asking, saying, these are very often exactly what we most need to do. And the biggest challenges and problems we face will never be solved with comfortable conversations whether it's in your own head or with other people. How about that? That's it. That's totally everything. It's everything. Hard choices, easy life. Every time I don't want to do something that I know I have to do, like bring up a difficult conversation with quit me, with you or with anyone else yeah, for that right. matter, quit a job. There's been a few jobs I've had to walk away from that have been hard. Uh, say no to someone, disappoint someone, show up for someone who's hurting, uh, f- ask for someone for forgiveness, um, you know, say I'm sorry. Those things that are so ultra uncomfortable, if you do it, you're clear. I'm thinking of my friend who is going through a divorce right now. And I knew, and I told him along the way, I said, because he took the path of least resistance. And I said, this mm-hmm. is going to burn you. And explain, I mean, you don't have to get into details, but what does that mean, the path of least resistance? He chose not to bring up difficult conversations with his wife. Mm-hmm. You can't survive without having those. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I have a partner that does it very courageously and mm-hmm. Thank you. More, much more than I do. I mean, I 
I do it sometimes, but you, you're good at it and I'm always thankful for it, but, but not in the moment. And that's the part. And and, and I'm not just talking about you, Todd, anybody, even me doing it. I'm not loving it. You're not excited about it. And that's the thing is we're so afraid. It's like people who go around saying, I'm so, I'm so, uh, confrontationally, I'm, I don't like confrontation or I'm confrontation adverse or I'm risk adverse. And I don't, I'm so uncomfortable with that, that I'm unwilling to do it. That's going to be tough yeah. because the thing is in this, I'm actually at our conference um, in March, uh, March 2nd and 3rd. That's right. I got that wrong last time. March 2nd and 3rd, my pre-conference workshop is actually called How to Be Brave. And it's it's not about climbing mountains. It's about having these kind of talks, being willing to, because the thing is, is we see it as a mountain, you know, and this becomes you know, the same thing that everybody always says, you see it as a mountain. There's no way I could do this. There's no way I could do this. And as soon as it comes out of your mouth, that mountain becomes this teeny thing that it was just saying it. It was being willing to stand in it. It was being willing to stand up for yourself or to let go or some of the things that are so hard. And then that, that's it. Hard, hard choices, easy choices, hard life. Hard choices, easy. easy. Oh my God, that's so good. Isn't that awesome? All right, Tim's back in my good graces. Yeah. Not that he fell out. No, but. I know. He, he's he's just an interesting guy and he has wonderful content, interviews awesome people. Um, and you and I have just an interesting relationship with his message. Well, we see him for different things. Yes. And I I listen to his podcast too. He, so. he said on the beginning of this um, TED Talk, I don't know if you knew this, but he's bipolar. You know, he, I've never heard him say he's bipolar, but he talks a lot about stigma. Well, and he his story is he was really close to committing suicide. Yes, right after he college. did talk about that on a show. Yeah. He shared that in something he wrote, too. Yeah. Um, so I guess I should have. Well, interestingly enough, you know, um, just today, there is for those of you who are in the yoga world, there is a pretty prominent yoga teacher who... Um, who struggled with bipolar and he was really having a hard time. It was getting, um, it was getting to a place where he felt the need to have drugs other than prescription because he could not calm his brain. And in the process of doing that, at least from what I understand, Sean Korn, uh, who is a pretty prominent yoga teacher who you may know, she posted about it today. He, ended up taking something and he became brain dead. Oh my god. And he died and he had he was married, he had a baby on the way. Oh. All these things and um she his wife wrote about exactly what he was dealing with. Mm-hmm. His bipolar she just put it out there. Mm-hmm. He, just kind of like Chris um uh the lead singer of Soundgarden, Cornell. Chris Cornell, he was dealing with mental illness and also because of when we're doing this, the guy, the lead singer of Lincoln Park, yeah. just committed suicide. He was dealing with mental illness, and his whole life he had been challenged. His when he was about seven years old, he was molested for the first time and had to deal with all of that, and and it was like ongoing. And he was music was his outlet, as yeah. is as it is for many. And he um, he committed suicide. Yeah. So the the reason that we bring this out into the light is so we can recognize what we need to remember. And what we need to remember is that these things are real and that being able to have support and being able to talk about things without being shamed for it, to be to use compassion as an equal and not as one looking down on another, that mental illness is a real thing, just like somebody who struggles with a physical illness. Yep. Mental there was this great uh YouTube video about if people treated people with 
um, mental illness, the, or be, yeah. do, do you know what I'm I talking do. about? Like the people have all these physical ailments. Yeah. The, the people are saying, oh, I have uh, cancer or I, 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 I broke my ankle last and night. And they're like, if you just get up and walk right, your ankle, exactly. and here's a guy like in a wheelchair and yeah. they're like, I just wish you'd try walking every yeah. once in a while. We are so hard on people who are struggling with mental illness or have our dealing with how to become mentally well. Turn the language around. If mental illness gives you a feeling of, I don't want to talk about that. You know, like when we had, uh, we're big supporters of NAMI, um, the, I always say association and I want to say Alliance, Alliance, uh, National Alliance of Mental Illness. We are, um, and we had uh, their executive director on our show. And the thing she talked about is let's just call this mental wellness. Let's just call this of how to, because people sometimes cycle in and out Mm -hmm. of mental illness. It's not always chronic. For some people it is, for some people it isn't. And myself, Todd and I both have struggled with anxiety. I've struggled with depression in my life. These are things, and they're not chronic, but we've cycled in and out enough to have an understanding of people who are struggling, what would help them. And sometimes just the capacity to to talk about it and to have people understand is the first step. Right. You know, they're not being such a stigma. And so anyway. I want to play a piece of it, but I can't find it. So maybe we'll put it in the show notes. I'm going to write myself a note. You mean Alexa's show? No, mental illness commercial, because it's really enlightening yes uh, to hear it said in that way yes maybe we'll we'll find it we'll find it so um all right any parting words my darling well because we kind of ended on that note of you know mental wellness and and people who have you know some sadnesses just remember let's take care of each other you know that's why we're here we're here we're walking each other home that's ram das's quote we are here to support each other um we're here to be compassionate. And don't forget, sorry, I forgot to mention our partners, uh, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, chirotree.com, and painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area, avidco.net. That's Jeremy Kraft. Two people who take care of people. Yes, they do. They do. They're wonderful, wonderful people. And, um, and so are all of you. So just practice what you know. And keep trucking. My goodness. Have a good week. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us again next time. If you are a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. Or you can also just tell a friend about our show. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. That's Kathy with a C. Hey, next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals, whether it's a relationship, parenting, career, time management, work-life balance, all that good stuff. Go to toddadamscoaching.com, and uh, I also have uh, the first session is free, so it's really no risk. Or if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. 
If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to both of our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support and keep on trucking.